0: Welcome to Supergirl's Attic. I'm Cycles. And I'm Vivi. The premiere of the final season of Supergirl is coming up, so we thought we should do an episode answering some of your questions and talking a little bit about the format for this upcoming season for the podcast and talking about the news that we have about the theme of season six of Supergirl. We're actually working on a series of episodes that should be pretty interesting, but then the time frame for the premiere of
1: season six was moved up. And it wasn't expected by anyone, apparently.
0: Um. (laughs) So. look forward to a three-part series starting
1: next hiatus. But for now, some
0: announcements for the start of the season.
1: Yes. So first big thing, as some of you have noticed between season four and season five and going into season six, we have shifted our format to kind of, number one, work with the time constraints in our lives, mm-hmm. and number two, to work with what we think the season is going to be and how engaging it's going to be from a commentary standpoint, because that's kind of... We like to do those those deeper dives into character and story and everything. Mm-hmm. So we... <laughs> We were in a little bit of a holding pattern because we didn't know anything about season six until about three days ago. And so (laughs) we're definitely going to do a more traditional episode for the premiere where we lay out kind of what's happening, where everybody's starting off, where we think maybe they might go. Mm -hmm. And then moving on, starting with episode 602, We're going to shift our format to be a little bit more narrowly focused. So the structure is going to be we're going to choose kind of one big thing from each episode to to talk about whether it's a particular scene that really revealed a lot about the characters or themes or the story, Mm -hmm. whether it's a character arc throughout the episode or even like a big plot point that's important for characters.
0: Yeah. And addressing, you know, a range of characters and a range of focuses. So if you guys have any topic suggestions, things that you find interesting in the episodes or want to hear more about in greater detail from us, send them our way.
1: Yeah. So one of our other goals for this season is also to devote attention to more characters more of the time. Mm-hmm. So especially if you are a fan of one of those, those characters who's not maybe always front and center, but something really cool or really interesting happens for them. By all means, send us a question or say, hey, can you do, you know, a deep dive in this particular thing? Right. And then kind of related to that, we haven't done this in a while, but we wanted to put out a new listener feedback survey to get some input from all of you guys as we're going into season six about kind of what you are most excited about in the show, but also for the podcast, how you've been listening to it and how that's changed in the past year mm-hmm. because of the pandemic. And that will be available on our site, supergirlsaddict.com. We will post the link on Twitter as well. Yeah. And that's helpful for us. Mm-hmm.
0: Just, you know, knowing what is working and what you guys enjoy, what can be elaborated on, et cetera. But now let's talk just a little bit about the theme of season six, which I have been waiting for for, well, I guess a year. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, actually, literally. (laughs) Yes,
1: which is power, which should be interesting. Which we were both kind of pleased about because it's broader and it's more universal than some of their themes of seasons past. Mm -hmm. And it can be applied in, I think, more targeted and character specific ways than. Right, some of the other things they've done. Yeah, well,
0: they take hope versus fear, mm-hmm. which was season four's theme. That's great for commentary on like real world events and and connecting to what people in real life are going through. It's not as easy for the show, like hope versus fear, to comment on the individual feelings of the characters because of just who they are already (laughs) and what the show kind of already does with that. It's not, Mm. like, quite a new angle. Whereas with this power thing, and this is something that Queller talked a little bit about in the announcement of what the theme was, which is that it offers opportunities for the characters to explore the theme relating to themselves, as well as commenting on, like, the role that they play Mm. in the world, like, as people who have power or
1: in some ways do not. Well, and also on the ways that power structures within the world of the show affect Mm -hmm. the characters too. Yeah, particularly like with the DEO, which
0: is something that we have been wanting them to explore in a more critical way. Mm.
1: Yeah, and it sounded like from the announcement that the creative team and the cast have really been having a lot of conversation during this year off about directions they'd like to take the show, Mm. what they have to say about the idea of power, which makes a lot of sense because Supergirl is the show that's got the most powerful superheroes in the whole Arrowverse (laughs) And more than one of them. So you do have this interesting interplay of like Jean and Kara are the two most powerful beings essentially on the planet, but they also have these intersectional identities where they maybe have less power. Mm. And then issues with other characters that really maybe haven't been addressed textually that I would love to see. So Yeah. And what I also love
0: about this theme of power is how well it ties into Supergirl's roots as a TV show, Mm. where the first season was very like feminism and like Kara as somebody who one might look at and not expect to have the physical power or just the willpower that she has Mm. was a very like season one, like kind of the root of the show. And I know that you've been wanting more of the sort of feminism heart that we saw in season one show up in other ways.
1: Well, that and also like season one also spent time with Kara with her literal power and the responsibility Mm. and the burden that comes with that because of how easily she can physically hurt people. Yeah. And then to tie it into kind of our series that we've been working on that we're holding now because the season came back unexpectedly soon. Mm-hmm. We're really looking at the ideology of the supers and thinking, you know, to the episode Truth, Justice and American Way from season one where James and Carr kind of have it out about, well, what do you stand for? Because you are so mm. powerful, both physically and physically. And as a symbol that if you don't think carefully about what you do, it can have very serious negative consequences. Right. And so we were already planning to delve into that separately. So that worked out nicely. (laughs) Yes, it did. And I also, you know, touching on what you
0: just said, for the final season of Supergirl, as a show that tries to be responsible in the messages, Mm -hmm. I think power is a really good fit.
1: So, all that said about kind of where we're planning to go, where the show has said it's going to go the other thing is because it's a final season final seasons really do sometimes look back a lot Mm. because the whole idea is you you want to give closure to to storylines to character arcs you want to remind people of all the things that they love about the show and so there's a lot of looking backwards so that was kind of our thought for this episode of the podcast so we had a few kind of just discussion questions for each other and then we also had questions we've received from various listeners that are more reflective of, you know, things from seasons past, how things fit together for different characters.
0: What kind of dog each Supergirl character would be.
1: (laughs) Specifically that. (laughs) Things about pets came up a few times, so I think there's still some hints that we would really like the show to commit to crypto. (laughs) Um, Commit. Just yes. do it. It's the last season. Every cast member likes dogs. Make it happen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but also, it's it's a chance to have a little bit of fun before what we are expecting to be a somewhat intense. Dive right back in. Yes. Um, given that season five ended in a pretty intense place because they had to cut off at the episode before their finale. Yeah, it's going to be
0: a trip <laughs> yeah. to basically premiere with the finale energy, which is we don't think that they're different because they're just like big events happened, but the the tone yeah. and like the the flow is so it'll be pretty jarring. So it'll be cool to see it.
1: Well, especially because the finale is trying to wrap up emotions and mm. put you in a place where you're like you're looking forward to what's next but you've also had some closure on some things and supergirl in particular tends to try to end on a hopeful note so it'll be interesting to see how they've had to rework that because in your premiere you want to set up conflicts Mm. you don't want to end them so yeah (laughs) i mean you want to end some things that maybe were conflicts from last season because they had to leave some stuff hanging like poor brainy Mm.
0: yeah I'm anticipating episode two being a little bit more premiere-y.
1: Yeah, I think it might feel a little bit more like season two, where the first couple episodes actually felt like an end to season one, and then it moved into hmm. the actual content. Yeah, intriguing.
0: But you had you had a couple <laughs> questions, both of them fun.
1: They are. Yes. So one was prompted by some news in the world of data privacy and communications. And this is something that I personally have kind of facetiously brought up since season one related to Jean, because. As a shapeshifter and a mind reader and someone who holds a very high level security clearance and works in a government agency, mm. he presents his own whole set of privacy concerns and challenges just because of who he physically is and what he can do. Mm. So given that there's been all this concern about fake news and deception and all of these things, is Jean Jones a living deep fake? <laughs> uh, yes. All right, it's <laughs> a clear, simple answer. All right, it's a clear, simple. John, he has
0: the potential to enact a deep fake. Well, he was Henshaw for like ten years, yes. But the the more direct equivalent is probably the image inducers. <laughs> yeah, I thought about that too. Because as much as he could just shape shift into like the president and then do terrible things, the image inducer is the. More concerning thing in terms of widespread use and just technology advancing before maybe we are prepared with measures to control it. Mm, That's a good point. So don't pick on Jean. I resent that. Attacking space Dad. Although he does definitely use it in questionable moral ways.
1: Yeah. Well, that's definitely kind of a point that season four brought up, because every time we saw the image inducers being repurposed by humans, it was deliberately to do the things that humans were afraid aliens would do, which is to just blatantly deceive people in a corrupt way. Mm hmm. Speaking of power and who holds it and right. who is responsible ultimately for that happening. Is it the creator of the technology? Is it the regulation? Is it the people using it? Is it all of the above? Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Which will be interesting to see if they do anything with Andrea and Lena mm. with power. Yeah. And also, too, it'll be interesting to see if they do that because there's some relationship mending that needs to either take place or break apart completely Yeah, in there. I have
0: a sort of similar question in terms of oh, no. <laughs> technology and morality. Which of the Supergirl characters are secretly kind of tempted to to also use Myriad to solve
1: global warming, a la Astra. Ah. Uh, uh. So, like, in their right mind, they'd propose or do it? Or just, like, somewhere deep down, there's a part of them that's like, this would be the most efficient solution, and I can't yes. say that. But, like, if something bad happened and they were, like, mind-controlled, then maybe they would want to do it.
0: Yeah. There are external or, like, restrictions upon themselves where they wouldn't do it practically, but they think about it. Brainy. Brainy. Oh, that's interesting. Tell me more.
1: Well, number one, Brainy gets very frustrated by the slowness of the technology of the 21st century. Mm. Number two he would understand the ramifications of like an extinction event and also judge humans and think they're stupid for not trying to save themselves.
0: <laughs> do you think he has like a little bit of the ego to be like I'm just going to solve this problem.
1: <laughs> a little bit but also thinking to like that time that he got reset if you will and kind of did like mm. evil brain. I'm like I could see like a more like neutral evil brainy mm. being like yes Myriad is the solution.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the version of him that like sent Nia off to be captured. Yes. Would definitely do that. It was that. like this is the most expedient
1: way sorry like i don't care yeah. but here we are uh,
0: there's also like a vague big brain
1: yeah aspect there well because it's like a hive mind thing so yes it would intuitively fit and he'd be like well yes you must harness the brain power of all the people it'll be fine <laughs> yes i feel like alex would think about it <laughs> alex wouldn't agree with it in practice because she's been on the receiving end of it too many times right. but alex would appreciate the concept of it Because her trust in other people to do the right thing is not always very high. Right.
0: But she also has trust low with the
1: use of it, the technology. (laughs) So she would also be like, no, that's too risky. I have another question for you. Kind of looking back at the series a little bit. Mm -hmm. So if you were Mixis Pitlick and you got the opportunity to make Jean (laughs) go back and look through their life... Which moments would you want them to see? Sean. It doesn't have to only be moments that have been portrayed in the show. Like, you could choose things mm. that the characters mentioned, but we've never seen. I'm mixy, uh-huh. right? So yes. I have some sort of
0: goal here, mm-hmm. which I suppose, like, with Kara, where it was like, here's here's a lesson, something you need to learn. Okay. So Sean's already looked at his past with his brother. Mm. True. I would just be nice and let him look at his family.
1: (laughs) Aw, that's very sweet.
0: I was going to come up with like a character-driven thing, but I just wanted to do that. (laughs) We could also be like, it depends on sort of what's happening in his life, but learning lessons about who he was in that space where he was happy and had some sort of sense of his identity Mm. and where he has changed. And what about him then looks different to him when he compares himself to that person now? Mm. Nice. And my second question for you, Vivi, Uh is if you could craft a villain that tests all of the major characters in interesting ways, you don't have to go through every character, but who you think would test each of the major characters, who would they be?
1: I think I would want either another villain like Psy, Hmm. who is one who targets more psychological vulnerabilities. Okay. Or I would want another character kind of like Lockwood in some ways, who's really Hmm. not a threat in a physical way, like out to take over Earth like the Daxamites or whatever, but who ideologically... Is a threat, but not in like the crazy way that Lex is a threat.
0: Right. So it'd be interesting to see sort of a fusion sure, of Or even something things. that was both.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Somewhat. It, actually, it would be really interesting if it was like an alien who, like Kara, has managed to really make their way in the world mm. of humans and who has built up a following and an audience in like an ideological way. But then who also can control people, not control people in the, like a myriad way, but who can impact people's thoughts and feelings with superpowers in some way and that Mm. preys upon people's fears or insecurities to kind of manipulate them yeah i like that because i feel like that would unleash some of the (laughs) the weaknesses of all of the characters in different ways Mm. and that's where you could then connect to the the stronger together concept because on their own each of these people could easily fall into a little bit of a spiral but they all have strengths where the others might be a little bit weaker and right. can rebuild each other and say like, no, hey, you can do this.
0: Sort of like a divide and conquer attempt. Yes. That does not go well. <laughs> yeah.
1: But it also leads to really nice opportunities for like in-depth like scene work for specific yes. characters, e- either one-on-one or in small groups, which sometimes there wasn't a lot of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Good job. Thanks. Thank you. I passed. <gasps> I did it. The test. All right. So then we have a series of questions that we received from some of our listeners. The first one was an anonymous question. And this isn't reflective, but if each of the characters got their own super pet, what would they have? Wow. So does the pet have to be super powered or it's just like each superhero gets a pet?
0: Super powered.
1: I think that's important. Okay. (laughs) Hmm. I mean, I know the obvious answer
0: is like, Crypto for for Supergirl.
1: She could still have a little streaky, the wonder cat or whatever. Yeah. A little flying streaky.
0: (laughs) Apart from those sort of like go-to ones, I would say she gets one of those like iguana dragons.
1: (gasps) Yes, like Spike. And then they can fly together. (gasps) Oh, that's so cute. Mm -hmm. Kara should have a reptile because reptiles like to be warm because they're cold-blooded. So it'd come and (sighs) snuggle with her. That's true. You have any characters or another pet for Kara? Mm. Jean, I would want him to have something that was like either can shape shift itself or that's like hmm. really clever in like a tricky way. So like the, the obvious answer is like a chameleon or something that <laughs> changes color and blends in and like does things. Well, that's cute then because the two aliens have like their little lizard like pets. lizard pals. <laughs> See, <but> my <laughs> yeah. other thought was like a little octopus. Because they're devious and they can do all kinds of things. And some of them can also change color. Yeah, that's great. Alex needs a pet that's like a mood ring that (laughs) reflects how she's feeling at different times. So what's like a nice, like comforting, snuggly pet that also appreciates moods of people? Actually, she'd probably have some kind of dog. Let's be real. Yeah, they're pretty social. They are. They are pretty social, but also just because dogs can get very like protective of their space and their owners. So, oh, that's
0: kind of cute because Alex has that protective family energy. Yes, exactly. All right, I have one for William. <gasps> oh no. Tell me. <laughs> Which I feel like is like a continuation of our joke about the cat in, the, oh. <laughs> in our, our last episode. Kara tries to pretend that Alex has a cat. <laughs> oh, right. Yes. Right. And then eventually William finds out, and Alex is like, I can't have a cat right now. And it's like a cat that, like Kara said, is like kind of bitey, <laughs> but is nice to William. Aw, that's cute. And so they end up giving it to William. I don't know what superpower it would have, though. Yeah, it would um, it would be <laughs> be like super typing, like <laughs> it could it could type super reporting uh, cat. <laughs> what
1: skills would would William need as a reporter? Uh, it could sneak into places for him.
0: Oh, he cozies up to people who like you can trust. If William put the cat up to Lex's face, it would hiss.
1: Uh, where... <laughs> oh, so
0: it like gauges people's intentions? Yes, for the person that it is most connected to and on the same wavelength of.
1: So it's like a familiar for like a witch. <laughs> Yeah. All right. William's a witch. (laughs) There we are. (laughs) Perfect.
0: We have a similar question from Layla Paper, which is, which breed of dog would each Supergirl character be?
1: So I hate to bring it to you, but I am not a person who likes pets at all. (laughs) I feel like that's a little bit on purpose
0: by these people.
1: (laughs) I have not paid attention to breeds of dogs since I learned them when I was probably about six years old. So I don't even know what they are. So
0: <laughs> I don't know breeds of dogs either. So we'll try our best. <laughs> which is, Car is a golden retriever. Yes. Which is the only definitely. kind of dog I know. <laughs> For Alex, I kind of have like husky energy.
1: No. Well, oh, yes. Wait, actually, maybe because huskies are like really smart and can get really high strung and anxious if they're too bored. So Interesting. All right. I accept. Pulling out the dog knowledge. <laughs> Pulling out the, the the buried knowledge. Yeah. And then Jean, I don't know, like a mastiff or something. I have no idea. I don't know what that is. It's like a big like <laughs> dog with like a sullen face. Oh, that's funny. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I vote Nia is like a little lab puppy. Okay. Just because they look so excited to see you all the time and they're like pleasant. <laughs> they're pleasant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, not the deepest uh character meta a d- that we've a done deep
1: plan here like yeah.
0: Okay, and then we have Brainy, could be like a robot dog or
1: Robo dog. <gasps> oh, like the little the ones you can buy for children. Sure, exactly that. <laughs> What about Lena? Have you ever seen the Disney 101 Dalmatians, the original animated one? Because I'm just picturing it like that opening scene where every person looks like their dog. And I'm trying to think like
0: <laughs> <laughs> which one would go with Lena. Lena in the fur coat with like yeah. <laughs> a big fluffy. Lena
1: looking very like put together and well groomed and like very <laughs> careful in how she moves. She needs like a dog that's got like that same energy. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Let's move on. And that's it. That's it for our pets. (laughs) For our sad pet meta. Sorry, you guys. (laughs) I think some of you secretly knew that we're not dog people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. These next few are also from Layla of Paper.
1: Favorite episodes and favorite season for each of you. Okay, Vivi. I'm going to limit myself on favorite episodes. Triggers from season three is probably one of my very favorite episodes. Mm Mm-hmm. Call to action from season four. I just rewatched the first half of season four the other day and actually Mm. I forgot how much I liked that episode. It's really good. There's a lot of really nice like the whole squad together Mm. and then some really nice emotional stuff with the kind of terrorism hate group storyline. Right. And then I mean we always say falling but falling was just so good. Uh, From season one, (laughs)
0: really is,
1: yeah. So those are my, I'll say, my three favorites at the moment. My
0: favorite are triggers (laughs) falling, (laughs) for obvious like big emotional impact reasons. And I think the one that I would go to, like, I would just want to rewatch it because there are other episodes that have, like, emotional content that maybe mm. is more compelling for me, like Hostile Takeover, where oh, yeah. Kara yells at the mm. projection of Alora, the hologram. But episodes, like the full episode, I think The
1: Faithful. Oh yeah, mm that was a good episode.
0: It was just really, I don't know, something about the tone and like the emotional beats and the kind of interesting tension. Yeah, it was just a good
1: episode. <laughs> yeah, and it had a few different character combinations cuz there was some really nice like James and Kara stuff in that episode and Carlill yes. was just a very compelling, you know, again back mm. to those characters who are like a more of a psychological threat. Mm. Just a really compelling anti-hero character. Yeah, and it dealt with sort of the position of Supergirl as this like figure Mm.
0: and not just like she's great but like a kind of interesting angle well
1: and it also kind of it hit a little bit on the power and the social responsibility piece mm. too yeah so yeah and then favorite overall se- i really this is so hard there's like a bunch of seasons where there's <laughs> i like like the first half of the season
0: mm. okay so if you could take your favorite chunks of the seasons which season has your favorite chunk in it which, which season? honestly probably the front part of season two Oh, that's interesting.
1: I told you, after I rewatched it, I was like, the things that annoyed me the first time annoyed me a lot less. Mm. And things that didn't bother me bothered me more. Right. And those things were later in the season. So honestly, the first eight episodes I actually really liked. So I'm going to go with that. Okay. And then what about you? That's fun. Uh, Season three. Well, yeah, uh, that's, yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Unsurprising. That's not totally surprising because it has its faults, you know, which all the seasons do. But there was so much good character work in it. Yes, I agree. Even, like, later, you know, and stuff they did that I didn't like with, like, the conflict with Kara and Lena or whatever. It was still good, interesting content. Yeah. (laughs) The trio all had interesting... Like really strong character moments and, and yes. testing the characters, and also playing into one of the big themes of the show of resiliency and, mm. and hope and and family. And they landed in a really nice place by the end. And yeah, if the show had just been seasons one through three, I would have felt like okay. Yeah, I would have wanted more content, but the story itself would have felt like a nice complete like thing. Yeah. Next question from Layla is What superpower that
1: we have seen in the show would each of you want? I would not want super hearing. I already have really sensitive hearing. No, thank you. Uh, <laughs> it's distracting <laughs> enough. Mm. Speed, I think. Speed. Oh, that makes sense. I just with have you. so much to do. All the time. You, just, <laughs> like, you like to complete tasks. And... I could get the mundane stuff done and out of the way and have more free right. time for fun things. There we are. Yeah. All right. What about you, brainies? Tempting dream power. We have shape shifting, you know, Which, and the mind altering. Jean can do all kinds of things. Oh, I would read minds. <gasps> that yeah, I could I could see that for you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It'd be totally like a breach in privacy, but exactly. That's what I this want. is why I asked
1: if Jean-, Jean Jones personally is a giant data privacy concern. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he really is, <sighs> but that would be great because then I could, you know, do people meta. You you <laughs> could do it more effectively than you already do. Yeah, <laughs> it's like if Kelly had mind reading,
1: which would be kind of an interesting Ooh. plot point for like a therapist, sort of morally questionable. Mm. Well, but also because she's been looped into kind of the Martian stuff as well, which I love just for what that says about the longevity of her character family sticking yep. in the family so another question your favorite aspect of the show
0: my answer is pretty obvious which is the hope resiliency and always looking for solutions and the way that also interacts with the way the characters like try to form positive bonds with people and like have the hope in other people and in themselves. So the theme is the strongest thing for me, mm. the main theme, and kind of what draws me to it as a series is something that even if there are technical or storytelling elements that I dislike, I'm here for the sort of motivation of the story, which is to deliver this this message.
1: Mm. I think mine, it's not that it's changed, but the show's priority on it has changed a little bit over time. But I think... The show's focus on non-traditional family Mm. is probably one of my favorite aspects of the show. And that kind of media is something I tend to like generally, which is part of why I stuck with this show. But just that it does all of these things to support the idea that there is no one right way to be a family or be part of something that is emotionally important and supportive for you has been really nice. And sometimes it falls into the background a little bit, but it is still very present throughout the whole series. Mm -hmm. And
0: both of those are things that you can probably tell based on what we talk about with the show. (laughs) Yeah. Next question is, how do you think Kara's character journey over the past five seasons compares to other superhero narratives?
1: So this is almost a little hard to say if the thing that you are comparing against is film because film is very different in the sense that you don't get to spend as much time and it's more self-contained so you have an arc that goes from beginning to end and Mm. feels satisfying in a way like that's one thing i think sometimes fans forget with television is that it's like watching real people like their story's not over yet at the end of the episode or the season so we don't know with a perfect sense of closure where they're going. But Kara to me, it was interesting because she was a a character who came in who was going on a hero's journey, but she already had done it in her head. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, like, Mm. it wasn't so much that she was resisting the call to be a hero as there were just other people telling her that she should. Yeah. Compare that even within
0: the show to, like, Manel or even Nia. Or Nia, yeah. Or Magan. Yeah. Had that same typical hero's journey arc where there's reluctance. And should I make this decision to become a hero? we with Kara that's already kind of built in.
1: <laughs> yeah. So on that sense, like her evolution has been less the traditional, well, should I be a hero? How do I want to be a hero? And more like she spent her entire life preparing for this moment. and thinking about the kind of hero that she wants to be and it comes out so nicely in that one scene in midvale where she's talking to not john and saying i have all these things and i want to do good and no one will let me right and i think the biggest thing for her is her finding the way to do it that reflects who she is as a person and it's less about her as a hero and more about how her being a hero also lets her be herself. Right. Which I think is a little bit different than a lot of other hero storylines, especially if you want to look mm-hmm. at, like, some of the Marvel movies for comparison.
0: Yeah. It's very much about identity and also with the other characters, and Alex and, and Jean in particular. Mm. Your answer kind of connects to mine, which is for Kara, comparing her to other superhero narratives, she feels in some ways more in touch with... Her impact, yes. So, like the the writing feels more in t- touch with the character's impact on the mindset of the viewers, and and the messages that her journey is delivering to people about you know how to navigate the world some of the other shows feel more like about you put yourself in their shoes and go through like an internal like journey
1: the other thing where I was kind of struggling a little bit is that it's also hard to do the comparison thing without being intersectional about it because there's so few Hmm. superhero pieces of media about women comparatively but if you want to look at the difference between like the way Kara's character journey is portrayed versus let's say Wonder Woman. Mm. The biggest difference with Kara is like there's a journey of empowerment for her, but there's also a journey of her wanting to empower others. Right. And bring others into the process and have them be part of the solution that I think isn't always there in other superhero media. Mm, Yeah. And
0: I think the other major like superhero narrative happening right now that is sort of closest in terms of both a character's personal journey and just being like a character in a show, you know, Mm -hmm. and the message and and the connection to community is Black Lightning. Yeah. Yes. Where both of those elements are very much present in the show in the way where Arrow and Flash, they address the impact that they as a hero have on other people but it's it's the second thing it's not like as woven into everything
1: yeah and with black lightning specifically that one was really cool cuz you actually had multiple superheroes going on this how do i be a hero journey and they mm. all start in very different places and they all end in very different places which was cool and there were some things like i really loved what they did with jennifer from seasons 1 through 3 because she was very reluctant Kind of like, Mm. you know, some of the characters we've seen in Supergirl. But she also had this thing where she really struggled with powers and was like, I want to be normal. I don't want this in a way that was very reminiscent of Kara. But then she's surrounded by her family who do all these extraordinary things and she's feeling pressure to do it. And kind of like this way that Alex always is feeling you know, between Jean and Kara that she's got to keep up, but doesn't know how maybe necessarily, mm-hmm. or knows that like whatever she does is not enough. And so with, with both of those shows, there's much more of an awareness of like how the character's whole life and their identity as a person in society affects their values as a hero and the kind of hero they become and what they do with that power once they have it.
0: Yeah. And we see that reflected in the kinds of like arcs that they go on, you know, to get I think, to one of the roots of this question for Layla, which is, you know, Kara having a journey about hope and and whether or not she's going to be okay in the world, having an effect on the kind of hero that she is and the way that and the messages (laughs) that other people get who are around her and who watch the show Mm. in the same way that like the personal journeys that the characters of Black Lightning have an impact outwardly. Yeah. In a tangible way.
1: Yeah. And also there, similar to Nia, they also are very protective of, like, their specific vulnerable community. And that's something that they really care about. Mm -hmm. And Kara's grown into, I think, being more aware of and caring about that. Like, she wants to stand for all people. But season four also really pushed her to think about her role as an alien, too, in some ways. Well, that's also
0: another thing that's sort of markedly different for Kara as Supergirl from some other characters and superhero narratives where it's often driven by, and we're seeing this happening in Superman and Lois right now, your personal connections and your family and protecting the people you love and like maybe living up to expectations of your uncle, your dead, ben, dead you know? yeah whereas with Kara, it starts big <laughs> and then it comes in the direction of her her motivation is different yeah in an interesting way for a superhero where that's sort of what you might expect a superhero to be but the practical storytelling ends up being a little less like mythical and more um like individual hero's journey storytelling
1: yeah all right so this next one is meant to put us in the hot seat a little bit so uh (laughs) rank all the characters from your favorite to least favorite and if we did all the characters we'd be here all day so (laughs) let's just stick to like main series regular characters who've appeared at any point from seasons one through five
0: valid shall i go first sure Kara. shocker i know (gasps) i can't believe you'd say that (laughs) Uh, this one might be jean
1: yeah i could see that okay
0: and then alex Mm -hmm. kelly all right. She became a fast favorite. Uh, <laughs> James, Brainy, Lena, Nia. When Eliza's in there? Somewhere. <laughs> Somewhere. Um, <laughs> who's at the bottom? Who's like your least favorite? My least favorite?
1: Yeah, like major character. Season two, Monel. Valid. For major characters.
0: Okay. I have like, like, like Lyra would be my least favorite. Uh, Yeah. Generally.
1: See, I didn't like her, but some of that I also blamed on the weirdly misogynistic way she was written. Yeah. And you, Vivi? Oh, man. I hate this question. (laughs) I hate having to pick my favorite. It's like having to pick your favorite child, and that's just unfair and
0: mean. But we like, Uh, we like kind of already know, though.
1: (laughs) This stresses me out, though, because I love both Cara and Alex a lot.
0: I know. That's Uh. okay. It's okay to have a little bit of a favorite.
1: <laughs> no, that's wrong. I mean. Uh, this is very hard because I love both Kara and Alex a lot, but I think I'd probably put Alex higher than Kara by like a smidge. <laughs> Shocker. Just because she frequently feels unloved. So it's to make up Aww. for that. Um, So I'd probably say Alex, then Kara, then Jean, mm-hmm. Nia, James, Kelly, Wynn, Brainy. Put Eliza in there somewhere. <laughs> She's in there. Magan.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, McGon! I mm. forgot McGon. McGon's right before when. Don't mind. That's fair.
1: Eve sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Intriguing. <laughs> I've enjoyed parts of our time together.
0: <laughs> Who's your least favorite?
1: Oh man, honestly, as I keep rewatching the series, Cat gets lower and lower just because she's mean all the time. Right. In a way that was funny pre, like, the Me Too era and now isn't. Um it's not, yeah. It's uncomfortable, uh, mostly. I think she, if she had stuck around, she would be a lot more palatable. She would have probably gone through, like, a growth arc of some sort yes. on that front if they'd kept her longer. Um, so I would also put Maggie, like, down near the bottom just because rewatching season two... I think because all the relationships, the romantic relationships were so lackluster, like Sandverse came out looking the best by comparison. But then just mm-hmm. when you're going back and looking at it and seeing how much the individual characters have grown since season two, it's just like, oh, that wasn't a good choice for <laughs> yeah. a long term kind of thing. And it's kind of the same issue as with Cat. Like there's just this like little edge of just disdain for people mm. in a way. Intriguing. Because of, like, previous emotional baggage of their own. Like, they're just emotionally stunted in, like, a way that comes out negatively.
0: Interesting. Okay. Now I have a fun question. Okay. When do you think Jean became Space Dad? Trademark.
1: (laughs) So, like, when he just accepted that he had become, like, the father to this collection of adults who needed guidance— (laughs) (laughs)
0: sure or you could do the other way which is when did cara and alex just decide they were like hello (laughs) father hello father
1: whichever speaks to you for alex was before the show even started so uh, (laughs) (laughs) so there's that element of it right because like she and jean had this kind of father-daughter dynamic from the beginning Mm. but when does he really kind of you know what i think yeah tell me because of who Alex is mm-hmm. as,
0: like, a very, like, protective and family-oriented person, I think he became more officially space dad to her mm-hmm. when Kara was also there. Yes, I agree. Because the unit was complete and, yes. you know, it's an important thing for her for the people she loves to get
1: along (laughs) oh yeah and when they don't it stresses her out which loop back to my answer about characters (laughs) but yeah i think the the point where kara and alex are like hello this is father is very early (laughs) on in season one and i think it takes sean a little bit longer to be like i guess i've already let you in emotionally and it's too late now
0: (laughs) i have a i have a controversial okay i think Jean was there first and oh really Yes. Go on. Oh. But he held them at a distance. I think he had decided quite soon after he was given the sort of mission from Jeremiah. Mm. Yeah. And like maybe a little bit after his talk with Kara and like seeing... Alex. And maybe it became more cement when he actually started interacting with Alex. Mm. But I think he was the first to get there emotionally. But where he feels like they feel the same way about him or like he can demonstrate that in an emotionally open way was later in season one.
1: Some of that, too, is also like a boundary thing because he's Alex's boss, like. You know, yes, you can't be yeah. unfair. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, but I think we got the news that he hired her partially because he saw her as someone he wanted to protect and like felt yeah. that connection to. Yeah, that's true.
1: Well, and it's also you can tell he's already put a lot of thought into like the things that are vulnerabilities for her when they talk at the jail cell because he's i mean some of it's the mind reading but like he's got a very good sense of who she is and what her insecurities are in a way that he's like i would Mm -hmm. like to nurture you Uh, (laughs) yeah that's true speaking of favorite children yes jean definitely has i don't actually i'll take that back i think it's more tied now yeah i do that he's had time for car to grow on him
0: (laughs) (laughs) they both have different things that they connect with jean about and like sort of Same wavelength, but you know, yeah. Alex is more personality, and Cara's more experiences.
1: Yeah, like season three was really lovely for Jean and Cara bonding. Yeah, because they got to talk a lot more about what it was like to be the last of their kind, and also the survivor's Mm -hmm. guilt that kind of goes with that. And yeah, and they had the parallel arcs with their parents coming mm -hmm. back. Yeah, yeah. These next two questions are from Rachel or Cyclone Rachel
0: on Tumblr, and she says, "What has been your favorite line of dialogue from each main character?"
1: I had an immediate answer to this one. (laughs) (laughs) Go on. So I think I shared this when we made the video essay for Alex in Wonderland. Two of my Mm. all-time favorite individual lines in this series are in that video. So Kara's line that came from the Alex in Wonderland episode, you don't care what I tell our grieving mother, it just shot right up to one of my all-time favorite sentences that have ever been said by anyone in the show. Um, just because yes. her delivery on it was so good. And the emotion in it was really nicely done. Mm. And then Alex's little vicious, well, are you better from Midvale? Oh, is still one it. of my favorites. You'll like my Jean one. Go on. The Krypton's legacy isn't death and destruction. It's you.
0: Aww. To Kara,
1: I loved that. That was a good one. That's sweet. And then I have a Lena one, which <gasps> I was surprised that I thought of, but... <laughs> there's like a nerdy reason that I like it, and then there's a funny reason. Why I like it. Okay. It's her confession that she has the emotional range of Medea, which I feel like I've talked about before on my blog. Number one, it's fun because there's that association of the Luthers with different like Greek mythology characters. And so that's very in keeping with that tradition. Because for those of you who don't know, Medea is a classical ancient Greek play by Euripides. Mm -hmm. It's one of the best stage roles for women like ever. Mm Because it's literally like one character, or Medea is pretty much it. But it was a level of self-awareness that we don't get to see from Lena very often. And she was very honest, very early yeah. on about the kind of person she would be when backed into a corner. This was in season three.
0: <laughs> she and specifically when she's experienced what she feels is loss and like betrayal.
1: Yeah. Mm mm-hmm. And she's very honest about what she will do to people if she feels like she's been wronged by them. And (laughs) I clocked that as the red flag that it was. Because Medea, the whole story is of this woman who she's scorned by her ex-husband and she wants revenge and she will do whatever it takes to get revenge and just destroy him, Mm. even if it hurts herself and other people she loves in the process. Like she murders her own children because they will be the perfect vehicle to deliver the thing that will poison her ex's new wife Yeah, like she she makes them carry a poisoned thing and she decides that she wants them to die because it will be the thing that will hurt him the most because he will have no heirs and like that's a level of (laughs) self-sabotaging cold. That's quite the emotional (laughs) range. Yeah I mean that was a warning that season 5 was coming way in advance and then I think James's. Are There Other Emotions That I Don't Know About on Krypton <laughs> from when he and Kara are hanging out is <laughs> just a good one. Another line but of... That one's in the video, too.
0: <laughs> that's in the video, too. Watch our Alex in Wonderland video.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. That, for most of our favorites. But that one is just like a brief moment of humor. Lucy's Why Would You Run Toward a Bomb? <laughs> <laughs> this is also that's one of also my favorites. Good. also good. Yeah, a um, favorite. The ones that you say a lot. <laughs> because they're like so perfect for the characters and they're just like... Some of them are just funny. Yeah. They look in a weird way. <laughs> Um, in a weird
0: way. Why would she run toward a bomb?
1: That was such like lawyer brain. I was like, she would think that. And that's perfect. She would, yeah. Lucy's not funny because Lucy is sassy. Lucy is funny because she is the serious one in the midst of all this other crazy <laughs> stuff. She's the straight man, as yeah. they say. Yes, exactly. All right. Do you have any that you'd like to add? Yes. Kara, season
0: one, Hostile Takeover, she lied to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, where her voice breaks and then she starts to cry. <sighs> yeah it was a very you know part of it is the acting (laughs) yeah it was great in the sense of a storytelling moment because this is one of the first signs that like Kara felt bad in a very personal not just that you betrayed our moral values or that all just the people like died and that was horrible Mm, but that it hurt but that like yeah you let me down personally like you lied to me and that sort of personal connection with her mom is threatened. Mm. And then also, obviously, Melissa's delivery, where like there's such a vulnerability where like you feel like she is that 13-year-old girl who just landed on Earth Mm. in a way that even when she landed on Earth, she did not (laughs) seem to be that vulnerable and, and upset openly. Yeah. And also, obviously, the element where Alex is there
1: hearing that, you know. That just made me think of the scene from season three. I think it's in Triggers, actually, where Alex comes in and says, I've never seen you do that before with the meditation. And then they do the cute, the hug. Oh, the you have me. I know that silly. Oh, I know that silly. That's a
0: cute favorite line. (laughs) That's like a happy, sad
1: one. Yes. A bittersweet. Because they're both in like a low emotional place, but they're being very supportive and it's
0: cute. Yeah. Mm, Yes for Jean torn between two <gasps> one is one of my favorite character dynamics which is with Kara with the like you are not broken scene in triggers oh yeah which was just nice it was such a dad moment
1: <laughs> <laughs> it really
0: was yeah yes and then also the classic i am jean jones <gasps> Yes. From season one and then also the version of that. I'm not sure if it's exactly the version he did in season four, where once again, his identity is affirmed and that sort of next step. It was a nice linked Mm. phrase. Yeah. Who else? We have Alex. I know when you're disappointed in me. (gasps) to Kara um and the little bit that came after that and and, like not knowing what she would do if she didn't have her support Mm. which was great because my favorite moments with alex besides like the moment that you pointed out which was like her on the offensive in a really interesting way Mm -hmm. is her being very vulnerable yeah, and obviously needing something from someone else and expressing that those are some of my favorite moments and that was one of the ones that jumps out at me Mm. nia's speech is a favorite. Oh. Where she just lists her little personal things. It's nice to see someone else have a hope speech in that same kind of impactful way Mm. and for Nia to like get that spotlight in a way that is directly related to who she is as a character and what she represents. Mm. This next one... (laughs) is to Vivi. (laughs) Oh, wow. Vivi mentioned, quote, contextual character development for Brainy and Kelly, end quote, in a recent post. I was wondering if you could elaborate on that.
1: Sure. So by that, I meant I would like to see us get some more kind of background context on who they are as characters in the way that we have for most of the other main characters at this point. Brainy's alluded to some things about his upbringing because he's talked about, you know, the bottling of the planet Mm. and that his family was not very warm or were not particularly good people Mm -hmm. but we haven't really gotten kind of a more in-depth look at how all that comes together how that led to him ending up in the legion or any of those things so like that would be really nice to learn Mm -hmm. and similarly with kelly like that frustrated me before James left, too, that, that he was the one remaining character from season one who we had never met any of his family members. We had very little context for, like, how he came to be the person that we saw on screen. And so with Kelly, I would really like to see more of that because, like, we had talked about this and I said, I want to know what it would take to make her lose her temper. like. Mm -hmm. Just anything more kind of giving us a sense of of who she is outside of these few roles that we've seen her play within the family dynamic and within her relationship with Alex and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. We've gotten a few angles for Kelly, but I think some history of her life Mm -hmm. would be illuminating and, and give us a stronger sense of who she is, where she breaks, where she does not break in terms of like the behaviors that she tends to exhibit in like a normal episode, you know? Yeah. So that would be interesting for both of those characters.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We have a question from Always and Anyways on Tumblr or LID. What do you think is the biggest thing you've learned personally from the show? Oh, I think the the value of
0: vulnerability where we see the characters, and that's kind of, you know, what I just mentioned about Alex and, and that being one of my favorite parts of her mm. as a character, and also the way that Cara uses vulnerability to connect with people in, in positive ways, and the vulnerability that is inherent in hope and trying, <laughs> you know, and trying to make things better and trying to connect to people. And also the vulnerability that we have seen from the actors in, in their lives and, and how strong Vulnerability is nice. And you, Vivi?
1: Having more ways to be reassuring and tell someone that everything is going to be okay in Mm. a very calm voice, (laughs) even when I am also on the inside, like, I don't know. But (laughs) having been in the role that I have been as a legal guardian and a parent in a lot of ways. To someone who, at the time the show began, was transitioning from being a teenager to being a young adult and who, mm. who would be calling with the heartbroken, like, homesick face. Mm. Having this in the back of my mind is like that model of, OK, I have to be that person who's like <laughs> calm and I believe in you no matter what. Yes. Which, you know, it's not that I don't, but like to maintain that front of seeming like everything is calm and steady so that the other person will feel like everything is going to be OK. Is hard. And so like having more visions in the the emotional toolbox of like how to accomplish that Mm -hmm. was actually very helpful. (laughs) Yes. And
0: which that is also it's fitting that your number one on your list was Alex.
1: Yeah, I related a lot to some of the things from <laughs> season one. Yes. Um,
0: but also thinking about her becoming a parent, and th- we joke about like the A and Alex standing for anxiety. She has a
1: lot of her own baggage that she needs to. So. She becomes
0: stressed. And yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, and she's going to be in this role where she, you know, in a way, unlike who she was with Kara, she has to be a calming <laughs> person who makes someone feel safe in the world.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about that, just that character piece of it recently. And I'm sure that's been in the back of minds of people related to the show because a lot of them are parents Mm -hmm. in terms of how that impacts you as a person like it's one of those things where you encounter vulnerabilities in yourself that you maybe didn't realize you had Mm -hmm. or that they come out in new ways and like you have to get it together like there's no (laughs) room for wallowing in your own feelings like you have to put it aside and find a way to like be emotionally okay yourself so that you can put that energy toward you know not screwing up somebody else Um, Like it's like a high pressure thing but like you really you have to yeah (laughs) and it's interesting in terms of like
0: messages within the context of the show about ways that we are responsible Mm. with each other and you know being a parent is (laughs) one of the pretty big ones yeah and you know
1: power that also come into play Probably the the other big thing is having the courage to have hard conversations with people mm. because that is very hard. And a lot of us like to try to avoid it as much as possible.
0: <laughs> and the fact
1: that everything in this past year has been virtual has made it a lot easier to avoid <laughs> it. But it is so important to make that time to connect and to be vulnerable and to display compassion for yourself and for others. Mm. And to just take that leap and have the conversations that might be hard, but that are ultimately productive and good for you and good for the other person.
0: Mm, Nice. These next few questions are from t 300 hundred Gen or Tegan. Um, What's your favorite superpower shown on the show?
1: Ooh. um, Cars heat vision. Oh, that's good. That's a good answer, both in the the way it's visually displayed and also just because like they use it in creative ways sometimes. How about you cycles?
0: Probably sort of latching on to the shown aspect of this question. Mm. Jean's like phasing. Ah, yeah. I just think the effect is neat and also it's so alien and a little bit unfamiliar mm. in the like superhero tv movie genre where like this isn't something that we typically see used in a nonchalant fashion where somebody's like just moving through something and the ways that they used it especially in the falling fight with Kara and him phasing mm. through her was pretty cool and the visual aspect of the green martian energy
1: you know was nice Mm, Yeah, it is. I like it. Next question is, what are some of your favorite fan interactions? So I'm
0: not sure if this is asking about, like, favorite fan interactions with, like, fans to fan, fan to the show, etc. But the first thing that jumps out at me is whenever melissa ever talks to little kids <laughs> yes i was like oh babies my face is lit up Like, yes it's just magic to see like yes <laughs> there was a kid that she talked to who asked a question at one of the comic-con panels and seeing those interactions are just pure joy and and the heart i think even for melissa as she's talked about yes of being Supergirl.
1: well and other actors have talked about it too that like if groups of kids or whatever will come to set how they just they're like stunned into silence mm-hmm. when they see her in the suit because it just feels so real yeah. to them because yeah. at that age like that magical thinking and you're like oh. yeah
0: and in general the actors have sometimes talked about you know obviously negative and interactions but also for instance mccaw talks about how touched he has felt with people who felt really connected to james as a character and like felt like he represented them and, and he was a really powerful figure for them in their lives. And that, I think, <laughs> the core of positive fan interaction is seeing the power that media can have and, and the effect that it has on people. And this next one is, what character arcs are you the happiest about? Which characters are you the proudest of? Oh Oh, that's so, oh, that's like a mom energy
1: question. I'm Get ready. This is going to be, ready. this is going to be something. Some Eliza some um, energy. Let's go. I'm going to jump to characters I am the proudest of in terms of just emotional mm. growth and things. Kara, uh, 100% <laughs> at the top of that list. Just for the ways that she has pushed herself to deal with some really hard things mm. and, She could have chosen to just like she was doing okay with like the superheroing in her life the way it was. She didn't have to like necessarily level up in some of the ways that she has as far as really pushing herself to do more and be more with other people Mm -hmm. and to take risks in some of the ways that she does. But she's done it anyway. And for as much as it's hard and uncomfortable, and sometimes she doesn't do it successfully, like it's really important to see that there's there's room to succeed in the failures, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah, because she's still learning and she's still finding ways to come at the problem again better, and she's not afraid of that. And like that's something that just is so great to see. Like because that fear keeps people from doing so mm-hmm. many things. Yeah, and just that she is so fearless in that way is so nice, and just like. It makes me happy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Kara is obviously also my answer for one of the characters I'm proud of. With Kara, she has that, for instance, take the season three, like, depression arc, you know, there is a sense of failure in that for her and a sense of failing her own values. And like, I'm supposed to be Mm. this happy, very season one quirky Kara and finding her way through that in a self-compassionate way was a big, like, I'm proud of you moment for <laughs>
1: for the character.
0: Mm-hmm. And then you can continue.
1: Alex. And this kind of ties back to the character arc because hers has been really a series arc that has progressed in bits and pieces from season mm-hmm. to season. In just her opening herself up in ways that she really wasn't mm-hmm. at all in the beginning of the series. Both in terms of her acknowledging parts of herself that either scared her or that she thought would get in the way of her kind of perfectionistic tendencies or that would make people love her less, if you will. Hmm. And just really coming to terms with with herself. And the thing I think I probably specifically am most proud of is that she is in a place now where she not only can recognize what she wants, but that it is okay for her to want it. Right. And to want it on her own terms for herself and not because she thinks it's what other people mm. want or because she thinks she has to have it and that's something that especially for a lot of of women is hard mm. and so that's been really gratifying to yeah. see kind of her come out of her shell and really be like, no, this is who I am. This is what I mm-hmm. want. And I'm going to figure out how to get it. Like, mm-hmm. the the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, with, for Alex, again, this is
0: another <laughs> character I'm also proud of. The thing, like I said before, for me is vulnerability. And that is an act of vulnerability mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, I want things. <laughs> and, and having to not just open up emotionally, which is also a thing, and like, let people know how you're feeling but specifically let people know that you want stuff or you are feeling bad and need something yeah like her biggest threat to
1: her her success is herself like (laughs) (laughs) yes which is why it's nice to see her succeed (laughs) yes exactly i'm not ready yet to say lena like i think by the end of the series i'll be in a place where absolutely yes that's the answer Mm. but she's not there yet no There are hints. There are hints that it's coming. There was even something in the trailer where I was like, this is growth for her in a weird way. (laughs) Like, I won't say what it is because it's a little bit of a spoiler if you haven't seen it, but... It was just it was a little bit of of recognition and self-reflection in a way that she doesn't always demonstrate. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, that's progress. Right. We're getting there. Right.
0: (laughs) Um, For Lena, the thing that would make me proud of her would be finding self-compassion in a way that like sort of blooms outwardly. Starting from a place of like I feel secure (laughs) in who I am and like. Step one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That I am like an okay person, that I'm not a bad person. And that means I can be held responsible and I can hold myself responsible for other people and how they feel.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's the area where I would like to get to the point where she's made enough growth that I can be like, yeah, I am proud of you for this, Mm -hmm. is owning up to her own mistakes Mm -hmm. and recognizing that people saying she's made mistakes is not a condemnation of her as a person. Which has been, from the
0: beginning, the biggest (laughs) hurdle for her. Separating, you know... Her sense of insecurity.
1: Yeah. And the reason that I'm saying, like, she's not there yet, but sh- I think she'll get there. But I want to see them make her go on that journey is that recovering from emotional abuse, particularly since your early childhood, is very hard. And it takes a long time to make progress. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that she's been up and down with it and she's slid backwards is not surprising no. at all. Like, But I think this has been enough. Like, The end of season five was enough of a wake up call for her to recognize that she needs to put the work in. Right. And that she's ready to maybe in a way, Mm -hmm. because for as much as her support network that she started building for herself, they're mad at her. Um, (laughs) They're also still like, you know, we're not gone. Mm -hmm. We're disappointed, (laughs) you know, in a very family way. Like, you know, you did a thing that you really shouldn't have done, (laughs) but no one's going to cut you off completely and just like throw you to the wolves. Yeah. And that's a a foreign concept for her. So, (laughs) yeah,
0: exactly. For another character that I am proudest of, we have Jean, of course, beloved space dad, celestial father. (laughs) Jean, he has similar sort of character beats to both Kara and Alex, which is fitting. Fitting, yeah, as their space dad. With Jean, I am proudest of his journey in discovering, like, morally what he believes in and coming from a place of being someone who lost so much because of people, because of actions that people took, you know, a genocide and navigating that horrifically heavy emotional challenge of what do I believe in? How do I deal with with the world? Knowing the extent to which it can be punishing and finding his stance, you know, starting from season one where he decided that he didn't want to kill the white Martian who had disguised Mm -hmm. themselves as Senator Crane and deciding later on that he's not entirely nonviolent, but also, you know, he has certain standards for himself and, and feeling confident in that in himself and him as the Martian Manhunter and as a protector. Yeah. And for the character arcs part of this question, we also had another question that was quite similar.
1: Yes. And so the other question was, all of our pals on Supergirl have had some really wonderful growth journeys. Which one has been your favorite to witness and why?
0: Hmm. I mean, we've touched a lot about this question throughout our answers reflecting on who the characters are and what they've gone through my absolute favorite is super surprising Kara. you don't say (laughs) for all the reasons that i've mentioned before i think she has places to go and i want to see what Mm. season six does but i think seasons one through three are really solid Emotional growth. Seasons four and five offered interesting challenges, but I'd like to see where she ends up and what the showrunners think where Kara needs to grow. Mm. And when they sit down and go, okay, this is the last chance we have to tell a story with this character. What haven't we touched on yet? That'll be interesting to see. But they're already in good standing for me for the strength of the character.
1: Mm. I think one of mine actually is Nia (laughs) in terms of character arcs that have been really like a joy to Mm. witness her whole introduction with kind of the accidental meeting with Kara and them just clicking right away (laughs) because Kat has this eye for talent. And also she recognized that some of the things about Kara that she thought were annoying were actually strengths. (laughs) And then she sought that out in other people. Um, (laughs) But also seeing Nia really come into her own as a young adult and also as a superhero has been just really lovely. And also her sense of you know she's she's lost elements of her birth family in a way very similar to some of the other characters, but she's now really embraced and been embraced by the kind of core family community of aliens and their their human mm-hmm. allies, and really embraced being a part of that in in a nice really satisfying way to see yeah which ties into your
0: like one of your favorite aspects of the show being the found family mm-hmm. yeah I have another one. Okay. Which is one I think people sleep on James, actually. Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, true. Yeah.
0: (laughs) There are areas with James, James's arc where it's obvious like, oh, I wish there had been more done with that. But with what was there, I find it really compelling. And I think it tells a cohesive story of like James as someone who felt like secondary. Mm, Yeah. And like he didn't have, you know, power. And making the decision to put himself there, to put himself in a position to help people in the way that he wants to, and to be this inspirational figure, despite the pressures and limitations that are put on him, like not having powers and also like judgment from other characters like Kara and Mm -hmm. him being like, no, I'm going to do that. (laughs) This is what I want. This is what (laughs) I have to do. And I have a right to do that and be in this space.
1: I liked that in the conclusion to his arc, He goes back to the things about himself that are his unique strengths. Right. And he's he's not trying to be Mm. more similar to everybody else again. Yeah. Which was nice, too. Yeah. There's a
0: progression of, like... Him trying to be the thing that he sees in the world and respects, maybe even down to like his father mm. and Superman and Kara and other people he... Yeah, well, with and, all and the, Lucy, you know. The Guardian stuff, yeah. yeah. And going from looking for that to looking at himself and being like, I am something that <laughs> is inspirational for people. And I also have the ability to safely go back to this place where I don't feel like a vulnerable person. I feel like a person who can help.
1: Yeah. And who has some sort of power to right. make change. Yeah. And actually, that dovetails nicely with Wynne's final character mm. journey on the show, which when I rewatched, I forgot how lovely a send off it was. And you could tell they clearly loved yeah. Jeremy. But it was a similar thing. And, you know, and I think they even, James and Wynn have a conversation about this in season three in the Pestilence episode, <laughs> which felt a little too recent, and too, soon <laughs> too soon to rewatch that. But about, you know, we're the support team, we're the mere mortals, but that they both, find these ways to embrace that and say, like, I don't have to try to be a superhero who I mm. am is, is a hero anyway. Yeah. And also
0: with his kind of having a similar beats that Lena does where some fear about himself. Mm, yeah. And with when growing confident in himself and his own consistency and in a mental health sense, like he's gonna be okay. <laughs> yeah. And he's he's able to help people and not become like his father and make the world a worse place. Yes. So that was from an anonymous user. This last question is from Tegan again and is fittingly, favorite Danvers sisters moment?
1: Ah, oh, just one. <laughs> I See, so mine are kind of just a bunch of little, little things that just right. endeared the show to me for how well they made these two characters feel like siblings, even though they were not initially brought up that way. And even though they were both originally only children. Mm. And so one is their their goofy little Danvers sisters team cheer that we learned in season four, where they're at game night and just kind of giving everyone else crap because they win all the time. Yeah, that's uh, cute. <laughs> um, that and then... I don't know, pretty much any time that they're just casually hanging. I think also one of my other favorite just little moments is Alex giving Kara a hard time because her stomach can't digest Kara's <laughs> overburned leftovers <laughs> and Jean comes to the rescue with extra food and then Alex just makes this silly little face at Kara that's like such a sibling. Like, eh, yeah, she Dad like, gave me this. like <laughs> She like sticks her tongue out and Kara yeah. like rolls her eyes. And then Kara's like, oh, fine. Um, it's very I guess sibling-y. I'll eat my burned food myself. Uh, <laughs> like, Just like the little things like that, to me, is just there's so much joy in that because it just feels so genuine, right? Yeah. Shall I say mine? Yeah,
0: please. We've mentioned it already this episode, which is the scene in Triggers when Kara is doing a Kryptonian meditation and Alex comes in to confront her about the visions that she saw with Psy of Krypton dying again. And I like that scene because it's almost like low energy calm but also emotional and like the lights are like off or it's quite like dark in the room and they're just sitting on the floor and it felt very for you know the lack of a better term human like it felt like a real moment but also a dramatic storytelling moment where car is saying like this has been awful and alex being like well i'm here and and them Car is like, well, I never doubted that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, in a way that connects them. Yeah. As opposed to being like, yeah, I know you're here. It's like, well, I know that's
1: silly. Well, and it's a good moment too, because it comes on the heels of Jean telling Alex to just wait and wait mm. and give Car space. And Alex is like, that's not the right yeah. move. <laughs> <laughs> like, and it goes back to this has been very present since season one. Like, I like to make jokes about the Hamilton references that have popped up throughout the series. But there's this quote that I know my sister, like I know my own mind. And you see that so mm. much throughout the series that like, they both frequently know what the other one needs yeah. at low moments. And this was such a nice example of that. And it was also a really going back to the idea that season three was about kind of like faith and, and belief and things Kara having zero doubt there was such a nice bookend to season one where she's like, "I need your faith and I do, I need to know that I have it." And here she's like, "Well, yeah, of course I do. Like, um, <laughs> yes, like, yeah. Um, there,
0: there's no doubt in the support. Yeah, it's just
1: it was a good scene. Yeah. It
0: also it also served the function of of sort of decompressing and, and reflection, which are yeah. in general my favorite Denver sisters moments where they're both together talking about their experiences and, and offering insight for each other
1: yeah and also just offering a space to let the emotion out and just like mm. be free yeah um, <laughs> yes uh, like there's not necessarily an expectation of like we have to find a solution right now mm. but like that was something that was very present especially in season one just like the venting about oh cat's giving me a hard time or right. you know alex feeling stuck with jean or, mm. or some random thing and them just not judging and just being able to be like yeah, I'll make the space for you to feel the way you want to feel. Right.
0: Which is, you know, one of the most interesting and important parts of the Denver sisters. Are we making equal space for each other? Are we connecting yes in the ways that are so essential for us? Ooh.
1: Speaking of things that I'm proud of, those two, <laughs> <laughs> like as a unit. Um, yes. <laughs> that had such mom energy right there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um,
0: this episode's actually just mom energy for the podcast.
1: <laughs> family. But no, really, the way that they've grown together as sisters has really... Right. It, you don't realize it until you go back to look at the beginning of season one versus now. And we've said this before how different it is Mm. in terms of how much more open they are with each other, how much more honest they are. I mean, they've always very much, like, you know, assumed that push comes to shove. They have each other's Mm -hmm. back, and that's been obvious even in flashbacks when they're maybe not getting along. Mm. They'll still show up for each other, which echoes actually something Eliza says to Kara. You know, if something's wrong with a member of your family, you you show up. Like, um, (laughs) that's just what you do. Mm. But that they are so... Aware of each other and each other's needs, and that they've both grown more conscious of how to best be there for each other Mm -hmm. has probably been like the biggest change for them as a a unit. Mm -hmm. That's been really cool to see. Yes. So,
0: those are all of your questions. And that wraps up our reflection on the road so far and the characters. And what about the story of Supergirl, the TV show, has resonated with us? And we look forward to seeing the final chapter.
1: Yes, it's going to be a wild ride, I'm sure, (laughs) in... (laughs) many ways as we like to joke i'm ready to suffer but i'll be happy about it um i think we're being set up for that um (laughs) from what we are seeing yeah maybe so because i mean we still have brady's possibly dying william's possibly dying (laughs) he was fine lex is still up to something (laughs) they gotta do closure on leviathan and the the ai and all those things so you know it'll be (laughs) it'll be a good time yeah But on that note, as far as production for us, for the podcast, we'll see what day the episodes come out now. (laughs) Because the show is going to be airing on Tuesdays instead of Sundays, which might put a little bit of a wrench in our schedules because because of our lives. Right. We're thinking right now
0: Sundays as our new podcast time. Supergirls Addict Sundays. Stay tuned and we'll let you know if anything changes with that.
1: And so don't forget to look for the listener feedback survey. It'll be on our site and there'll also be a link on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And if you want to send us questions or things you're excited about... Once the season premiere hits on Tuesday, Mm -hmm. feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram at Supergirls Attic. And thanks for listening.